Well, the first presidential debate of 2020 is in the can, having taken place last night. And now it's time to unpack it all, break it down, see what happened, what didn't happen, what went wrong, whose fault it was, or if anything went wrong at all. Hi, I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you don't subscribe already, please do so. You can find us through your iTunes app store under NP Online, or you can use your native iPhone podcast app and find us that way. Uh, you can also go into the Google Play Store, go to look for the Podbean app, podbean.com. That's our hosting service. And you can find us that way, NP Online, so you Android users can enjoy the podcast as well. So everyone wants to know who won the debate, what people thought. Well, it's not much different than what we predicted. I had predicted, as others did, that I expected Joe Biden to back out of the debate, but failing that prediction, the other things we said pretty much came to pass. I said that Biden would not have much in the way of factual data. He appeared to be either looking at a prompter, which we know wasn't the case, so he was probably just staring blankly into the camera because he's in a debate hall, so he can't have a prompter for himself without anyone else noticing, including his opponent, the president, because he was looking out over the same stage. But he did have a lot of notes, which is why he was looking down a lot and reading. He was clearly reading prepared statements. Whenever he sounded cogent, it's because he was looking down and he was reading things. Trump, for his part, was reading nothing. He was doing it all off the cuff from memory as a result of being prepped. Now, as a lot of people have remarked and I share this view, when the debate started, everything looked good. It looked like it was going to be a slam dunk for Trump. He was very calm, he was very cool, he was very collected, defending his Supreme Court choice of Amy Coney Barrett was the first topic that came up. But then things started to go downhill quickly from there. And it went that way because Trump was being lied about by Biden. And the moderator, Chris Wallace, whom I used to like, I don't anymore, I haven't watched Fox News Sunday, um, I think, since the first six months or a year after Donald Trump became president because Chris Wallace's anti-Trump bias became readily apparent. I no longer watch his show, and I was a faithful watcher of Fox News Sunday. Now I just have utter disdain for the show. So his bias shone through. He seemed to be more inclined to cut off the president than Biden. Now, I wasn't timing things. I was more interested in listening. But it seemed that Biden was able or allowed to ramble on for longer periods of time than Trump was allowed to speak for. Uh, and Biden made quite a few gaffes last night. Now, the one thing that a lot of people have remarked on, and again, I share this view, is that it looked like Trump wanted to come out and get Biden flustered because we all know, and it's undeniable, that he is suffering from some sort of uh, reduced mental acuity. Uh, and I think that Biden was on the way to do that. But because he was insulting the president and the president cannot stand when somebody lies about him, um, he jumped in and started interrupting. And that 
may have accrued to the president's detriment, not in the overall debate performance, because I still think he was a more commanding presence on the stage and in the debate, but it may have hurt him to the extent that his original plan of allowing Biden to get flustered was not allowed to come to fruition, because as Dana Perino remarked on Fox after the debate, it looked like Biden was in danger of fumbling on the one-yard line, and Trump actually saved him you know, by blowing the whistle, by coming in there and, and interrupting. So I think the Trump team will look at this, and I think they'll give Biden a little more time, a little more rope to hang himself with. But the problem is these bait, debates keep changing format, these town hall debates, which are really nothing more than uh, setups where they put in people who are predisposed to one candidate, and usually it's always the one on the left side of the stage, not the right. Uh But that having been said, Trump was forceful in his defense of the Supreme Court, and he hit home to the extent that he could, given the topics, on the subjects where he is strong. Even the subject matter, and I'm going to liken this to a trial in federal court. I've seen these things firsthand in federal court, and one of the reasons why the federal government wins so much in court is because the jury selection process is entirely favorable to the government. And it's rather like marketing. They put a jury in that box as a result of a skewed jury selection process, which favors the government, which is predisposed to accept their product, their version of the events, and not predisposed to accept the defense's version. Once you've done that, you've gone almost all the way towards winning the trial. Well, this debate was skewed against Donald Trump from the beginning because all you had to do was look at the topics of discussion that were selected. They selected the Supreme Court because they they realized it was a issue of the moment in terms of his pick of Amy Coney Barrett. And then they're talking about, um, will you pack the court, Vice President Biden? He gets not to answer, but Trump is forced to answer things about his nominee. And now, of course, the Democrats are going to try and pressure Barrett into agreeing to recuse herself from any matter matter having to do with the election if she's put on. Well, that means, I guess, that that Kavanaugh should recuse himself and uh, Gorsuch should recuse himself. Because Trump appointed those. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Of course, she's not going to recuse herself, and she'd be foolish to do so. One of the reasons why we need nine justices on the court is this ridiculous mail-in voting, which we've brought upon ourselves, may result in a controversial ending of this election, which will require uh, the Supreme Court to be the final arbiter. And you can't have a 4-4 tie in a matter of state like that. You have to have a decision one way or the other. So you need nine justices. That's the reason why it has nine in the first place. So you don't get 4-4 ties. An odd number is the only thing that can ensure that. So we have that going on. Then we're talking about climate change. Talking about car standards, cafe standards. Do we really think that these are issues of the moment? I mean, people spoke about climate change as far back as Al Gore. And according to Al Gore, 10 years after the election in in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in the year 2000, uh, 
We were all supposed to be dead in 2010. The world was supposed to be over and global warming. And here it is, 2020, and we're all still here. Uh, Climate change may be something that's occurring. It's not global warming anymore because the world isn't getting any warmer, so they stopped using that term. But the notion that we're doing it, we're affecting it, or we can stop it is something that's a great topic of debate, and I don't think we can. I think the world has survived long before we were here, and it'll survive long after we're gone. Of more immediate concern to most Americans, I think, is how they're going to conduct their daily lives. How are they going to survive with state governments run by Democrats shutting down their economies? How are they going to walk the streets safely when they have Antifa, when they have uh, Black Lives Matter uh, invading neighborhoods, attacking people, savaging people? running into restaurants, looting, robbing. And what do we have? We have Chris Wallace asking a question of Donald Trump of whether or not he's going to denounce white supremacy. Donald Trump has denounced white supremacy on a number of occasions. But forgive me, I haven't seen many white supremacists out there demonstrating in the street or uh, pillaging and plundering, uh, taking over entire neighborhoods. No, I've only seen Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and these domestic terrorist groups, and I've only seen them get away with it really in in blue states and blue cities. And it's no small wonder that a recent poll, as of several weeks ago that I re, uh, quoted here, uh, shows that voters in these cities that are being ravaged by these domestic terrorist groups on the left favor Trump two to one because they want order restored. They want law and order restored. Now, another area, which I think was unfair, they attacked Trump about not having a health care plan. Well, what is the health care plan? I mean, the government isn't supposed to have a health care plan unless you want socialized medicine. That's something for the private sector to sort out, and people have always been better served by the private sector than by the government. Now, in a matter of speaking, but he was not allowed to fully voice his opinion, uh, Trump has made great improvements to the health care system, and I'm going to explain exactly how. The most egregious part of Obamacare was this mandate. Okay, how did the mandate work? Well, the mandate basically caused younger people who really don't get sick and really don't need health insurance except for catastrophic reasons uh, to pay more than their risk of getting sick otherwise represents so that older people who get sick quite often could pay a premium that underrepresented the risk of needing insurance that they represent. So everybody would pay the same thing. That's the socialist way. But imagine if I told you that you, who are 55 and uh, married, successful in business, and have never had an accident or a speeding ticket, suddenly has to have your car insurance rates raised be above that which represents your risk to the insurance company of having to pay out, so that some 18-year-old with five speeding tickets and two accidents, who has all his hormones raging, can pay a lower rate, so that his premium now underrepresents the risk he poses to the insurance company. You wouldn't like that at all, but that's exactly what Obamacare did. They needed to mandate young people to pay in, otherwise they couldn't afford to do it, and they still couldn't afford to do it. Trump got rid of the mandate. When he got rid of the mandate, Obamacare, while it still may may be on the books, 
all came crumbling down. Now more market forces are at work. And all Trump needs to do is to continue what he's doing, working with pharmaceutical companies, lowering drug prices, creating more competition. If we could only get a federal law passed that said that insurance companies could sell insurance across state lines, we wouldn't need a government plan. We wouldn't need any health care plan. The free market would more than solve the problem. I'll never forget when I started one of my own businesses a number of years ago, and I was in Sam's Club in New Jersey, having just come from an affair, a private party. And I decided to join because I had my son was just born. I wanted to make sure I could get formula and diapers and everything's cheaper at Sam's Club. And I found out that they had insurance for small businesses as one of their benefits. So I looked into it and I went on the website to try and sign up for the plan. I kept getting bumped. So I called the customer service number only to find that when I told them I lived in New York, they said, well, we can't help you because your state government won't allow us to sell insurance in New York because we're not based in New York. So this is the problem. Government regulation, not free markets. That's what's causing insurance to go up. And under Trump, prices have gone down. Drug prices have gone down. So when you have a combination of a biased moderator, topics that were designed to hide Biden's weaknesses and try and exploit Trump's weaknesses and avoid Trump's strengths, you may get the appearance of a debate performance that was less than stellar for Donald Trump, but he came prepared, he came to fight, and he got his message out despite having to fight two people on that stage, and I don't think he lost a single supporter in his base. How it affected independence, I don't know, but a very interesting snap poll, which has a lot of people on the left, apoplectic, came out of none other than Telemundo, the Latin Spanish-speaking television station, which showed 66% thinking that Trump won, or maybe 64. It was either 66 or 64%, with 30-some-odd saying that Biden had won. That blew people away, because Trump is the man for law and order. He has all the endorsements of all the law enforcement agencies, and if you're a person who is upset about the rioting that is being allowed to take place, and you're concerned about law and order issues, which is a far greater issue in this campaign than climate change, uh, I think that you want the candidate that is endorsed by law enforcement. Biden, when pressed by Trump, couldn't name a single law enforcement agency that had endorsed him. And you'll notice that Biden was not asked by Chris Wallace to denounce Antifa or Black Lives Matter, while Trump was asked to denounce these white supremacists who I've just said are doing nothing in the way of rioting. So this was a crock from day one. I don't know what changes are going to be made. I don't know if Biden will show up. Clearly, his side, the the mainstream media, wants to cut their losses because they're saying, oh, Biden won, uh, shouldn't bother to debate Trump again. Well, if you thought he won, why wouldn't you want him to go back out a second and third time and wipe the floor with him? Because you know he didn't win. He looked weak. He looked confused at times. He looked frail. He looked like he was reading rather than speaking. And then he went on and on to talk about his son and that debunked story about Trump calling veterans losers. That was the only time he was really animated with this false anger. Well, listen, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. 
uh, about Joe Biden's late son. But let's be honest. Joe Biden's late son was not killed in combat. Joe Biden's late son died of cancer. Okay? He died of cancer. And he was not in combat even before he died of cancer. He was an attorney in the JAG Corps. He didn't see action. All he saw was the inside of a courtroom. But I've got no problem with Joe Biden's late son because he did serve his country, even if it was in the JAG Corps. It's, it's, it's admirable service. It's legitimate service. So I don't, I don't criticize his son. But uh, Trump never made those statements. His other son is a piece of garbage. His other son is a lowlife. He's a cokehead. He's a thief. He got jobs only because his father was vice president. And there's no question here. We have Biden on tape bragging about the fact that he demanded the prosecutor who was investigating his son and his son's company be fired or he was going to withhold $1 billion in American financial aid to the Ukraine. Now, if that isn't a quid pro quo for personal gain, I don't know what is. And it's not in dispute. The man is on tape not only saying it, he's bragging about it. So I can only hope that the next debate uh, brings about a little more of a better showcase for the president. But as far as I'm concerned, the president didn't just fine. He's going to keep touting that law and order message. And I'm going to have a lot more about that law and order message on tomorrow's podcast. So please join me tomorrow. That's all for tonight. Thank you for joining us for National Preview Online. I'm Jamie Dury.